Welcome to another episode of Crossing Soccer Borders, part of the DynamoTheory.com podcast network, focused on the growth of CONCACAF soccer. I am Rudy. And I am Rodrigo. And today we have a very different type of show. We've talked in the past about basically our origin story. So how we got started, how this podcast came along. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. There's a little bit of a break in between Champions League and other CONCACAF uh, matches and tournaments. And instead of talking about a couple random matches from the week that passed by, we decided what perfect time then to give kind of like our background on how this podcast came along. Again, myself and Rodrigo, we're just kind of doing our own thing. We're big fans of soccer and the, the sport of soccer that we enjoy playing as kids and as we uh, went into our youth. Youth. And it's been fun, but now we see it more of obviously a fan. And I think we are consider ourselves knowledgeable enough to uh, talk about the sport. And as we said, we are from Mexico. We actually were born in Mexico City. Rodrigo is two and a half years younger than me. We lived in Mexico City till I was about six years old. And obviously, Rodrigo is a little four year old. And uh, I'm sure he doesn't have a ton of memories of Mexico City and what it was and to be honest I don't either I grew up having a little bit of an asthma well having asthma and we ended up moving to northern uh, part of Mexico which is a town called Reynosa which borders McAllen Texas and we were there till I was about eight but I don't know if Rodrigo may have the same uh uh, if he remembers it, but I think that's the first time that I remember ever playing soccer. We were in a team, if I'm not mistaken, we wore America jerseys or something similar. And, uh, and, and it was kind of funny because back then, you know, being six years old, didn't really notice, but my dad was a big Chivas fan and turned everybody being me, myself, and even my mom as Chivas fans. And I don't know, Rodrigo, do you remember anything about that uh, at all? It had a fun memory back when uh, I don't think it was a medical jerseys they were just like yellow and green so I, I think there was a standard color um, I guess you can portray it as a medica maybe the team name I don't remember exactly what it was but um so for those of you guys who you know want to know more about us we grew up playing obviously in Mexico my preferred position growing up was actually a goalkeeper but that didn't start until we came over at the US when we we're in that little team back in Mexico I hated playing uh, keeper. I think I, I have the worst memory. I, I believe they, you know, the, the coaches kind of put me in goal. I guess scored on like two goals and everybody was blaming me. I started crying and I just, you know, said like, this is not for me. I'm not doing this. And I quit the team at, I don't know, five years old and didn't really play until I was nine. And yeah, so that, that was pretty interesting because I ended up loving the position, playing keeper for quite a long time. Yeah, and so we make that jump, you know, following that American dream, our parents decided to come to the U.S. And we live in the suburb city of Pearland, Texas, which is right next to Houston. So even though we weren't here from birth, I think we consider ourselves Houstonians. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that being new to a different country, but going to the park and seeing kids having that soccer ball and being a universal language, I think it was easy to make friends and just to do some pickup games and just kind of enjoy 
playing soccer it didn't really matter what language you spoke i think you know we were able to meet you know people obviously from the u.s but at the same time all kinds of backgrounds and you know you meet people from africa so like we had like friends from nigeria from cameroon um you have friends from asia from vietnam from you know china and all sorts of South American friends too. I mean, we have uh, my friend from Argentina, Benjamin. We have people from France, another Benjamin. You know, it, it's one of those, soccer is one of those sports that transcend worldwide. And it's such a fun sport. And I think that's the reason why we enjoy it so much. And uh, growing up, we really enjoyed playing it and just being a part of it. And like I said, we grew up Chivas fans. I want to say that pretty much all we used to watch was Mexican soccer. And then eventually I started following Man U a bit and I wasn't like too fully committed. I enjoyed it because my high school friends loved it. But it wasn't until like Barcelona when Ronaldinho was there. I was like that, that kind of went me over. It was just fun to watch that Yoga Bonito. And then, you know, eventually transitioned to Messi's team and it's been Messi's team ever since. And uh, Rodrigo's case, he fell in love. I will let me see if it track this back. Rodrigo's a big Liverpool fan. He's been lucky enough to go to England a couple of years ago and was able to actually go to the stadium. And he probably has so many fun memories that, you know, that it, it just being there is probably fantastic. And I'm hoping that eventually I can see those stadiums that I really, really followed. But um, Rodrigo, I was going to say, I want to say you were like a, a big Kaka fan. And I, I always thought AC Milan was going to be your team. And I think it was AC Milan played Liverpool like way back when. And then out of nowhere, like Liverpool kind of won again or won the trophy. And, and then since then on, you've probably been a big fan. But yeah, to kind of backtrack on that, um, not necessarily. I mean, we started following, I don't even know how it started, but we started following some European teams. And I think maybe, uh, I want to say back then, we ended up getting cable and that's what we had access to more of the um, European leagues. And I do remember, so it wasn't just Milan. It was, um, I remember it was Marseille and Liverpool. They played a game. I want to say it was the, the Europa League. And back then, I believe Marseille, um, Drogba was still with them. And I remember that game. It was a really back and forth kind of game. You know, one of those tough matches. Yeah, so um, it was one of those tough, tough matches that I guess you fell in love with the team for sure. If you hear any of that noise, Rodrigo's at home in Dallas. His wife is actually uh, went home to Houston and he's taking care of his two dogs. And one of them is crazier than the other, if not both, right? But <laughs> Rodrigo? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so like I was saying, I, yeah, I believe it was Marseille versus Liverpool in a Europe, uh, Euro, Europa League uh, match. And both of those teams, you know, I really enjoy watching them play. So honestly, could have gone either way. Uh, to this day, I do like Marseille and the way they play. And I remember playing FIFA with Exam or Liverpool. But I stuck with Liverpool just because I like how they played. And I believe back then, Michael Owen was uh, the young star of the team. Um, and obviously, you, you had Steven Gerrard, uh, up and coming um, young player as well. And since then, uh, I remember... You know, I believe that was, I want to say the 2004 season when they were in the Europa League. And then the following season, they ended up getting all the way to the Champions League. And that's when they made it to the Champions League final and played against Milan. And obviously Milan had a really good team as well. And those are the kind of memories I remember. And since then on, I just started following Liverpool. So it's been quite a journey, I guess. And 
you know, I, I guess, you know, I didn't live there. I didn't visit there until two years ago, but I fell in love with that team and I've been supporting them ever since. Yeah, and of course, Rodrigo can probably go on and on and talk about Liverpool. But we're trying to kind of mention the reason why this crossing soccer borders came about. Uh, again, Rodrigo's in Dallas and I'm still here in Houston. He's there just for a short period, but, you know, to try to make a hobby out of, you know, just talking about soccer and we're like, why not just record conversations and talk about the stuff that we like, which is CONCACAF soccer. I mean, we do love European soccer for sure, but CONCACAF, I think uh, growing up, there wasn't a game when Mexico came to play in Houston that we did not go to. Same thing with Chivas. Chivas came to play anyone and we'll go watch them at NRG Stadium. Back then it was called Reliance Stadium and it was fun. It was good memories, you know, like me, uh, Rodrigo and my dad would always hang out and just that was our thing. And I think it still is. And kind of bringing back to like how we became Dynamo fans. I think overall it took a while. I remember when I was in junior year of high school, they came to be the Dynamo and uh, people would talk about it. We had friends that were in El Batallón and other supporter groups but I never really knew much about them and then there everybody was like so stoked how they were gonna play in Dallas and and in Washington and they would do everything and <laughs> I was telling Christian and you know in the last episode how we would go bis well we could go watch the game really to see the other team and uh I know that I talk about it to someone but Rodrigo do you remember when uh we went to go watch the New York Red Bulls and you had that uh Henri jersey and we were like, who's getting booed? And we didn't really notice till like way later. You remember that? Yeah, no, I remember a guy, or I think walking out and Dynamo, of course, had to lose that game. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So fans were not happy. And I remember a guy just like pushed me and then he just ran. And I was just like, okay, dude, like, you know, that's kind of mature, but nothing much happened. It was just kind of funny, you know, we were out there trying to enjoy the game. And yeah, like Rudy said, we weren't really much of a Dynamo fan back then. We would want to go watch the stars from other clubs that they had purchased or, you know, recently acquired. And um, Henri was one of the first ones. And I believe we also went to go watch Cuauhtémoc uh, Blanco at some point. Pavel Pardo was also back then. Um, there was a couple players that were like, okay, you know, this is kind of fun to watch. And I, I guess the biggest thing that we're just more into the Mexican soccer is because Houston didn't have a team. Um, you know, you got to keep in mind that the Dynamo came to be in 2005. And prior to that, there was really not that Mexican, I mean, that many MLS teams. So there were most of the Mexican teams. They'll come over here and they do some, I don't know, maybe some followers might remember the uh, Interliga that they used yeah. to call it. And yeah, the preseason just, matches, right? As like preseason tournament. It was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like a Conca uh, Caps Champions League tournament in a way. Um, I guess before we had the CONCACAF, uh, but it was really mainly Mexican League teams, I guess, because that was the main attraction here. Um, and then later on, they started to include other leagues and other teams. Um, but that's kind of how that came to be. But yeah, those, those were some good times. And um, following with all this CONCACAF talk, we would always go to the Gold Cups that they had. And um, for example, the one coming up now, since it got postponed due to COVID last year, um, you know, we're looking forward to catching some games um, at the stadium. 
Yeah, Rodrigo's planning to go at least to one of the Mexico matches in Dallas. And I'm hoping to catch the uh, one of the matches here, which I think they're doubleheaders. I'm sure they are the same thing over there. But uh, watch Honduras play at BBA and watch my favorite player or one of Albert Elise. But um, uh, I guess how I, I I'm a season currently I'm a season ticket holder for the Dynamo. And that came about because it was funny because we loved soccer. We really enjoyed it. Like Rodrigo mentioned, we would go watch the Dynamo. Most of the time was because they were playing someone that we wanted to watch, like Blanco. We never got to see uh, LA Galaxy when they had London Donovan or even uh, David Beckham. But uh, I would always give, uh, whenever I started working, I would always give Rodrigo or my dad like uh, tickets for their birthday. And so Rodrigo would get kind of screwed because uh, the games were usually like at two or three o'clock in April and it was super hot. And then my dad would be kind of like a rainy November match. And we, the last one, it was in 2017 when the Dynamo made the playoffs against Seattle. And it was just fun. Like we went, I think, I'm pretty sure Rodrigo, you went with us, right? It was you, Giselle, and my dad. And uh, it was a yeah. full stadium. Uh, you know, the Dynamo hadn't been in the playoffs in such a long time. And it was just fun. Like the atmosphere. I mean, we got destroyed because there was an early red card. I mean, you you can name it. There's a thing we lost two or three zero at home. But it was just fun. That atmosphere just felt good to go to like a full stadium that is, you know, in your hometown. And from then on, it was just like, okay, like I won season tickets. And uh, my wife set up like a thing to do a little tour of the stadium, which it was cool. And I told her, I'm like, well, we're gonna, we're not leaving here till I get my season tickets, basically. Like, in other words, like you kind of screwed because uh, you brought me here. You set up this appointment and we're going to get season tickets. And so I've been holding season tickets is, uh, the se- since 2018. And I've loved it. I've taken advantage of all the cool reward programs that the Dynamo have. You know, got into like high five Wayne Rooney and David Villa and Sinchi Charito and Slatan really, really up close. And I usually try to take my dad and or Rodrigo, whoever's available. And uh, yeah, it's just fun. So moving past the Dynamo, I guess. Really, I want to set up this uh, this episode was kind of to focus on the youth soccer aspect of like kind of what we went through again. We weren't professionals. Uh, we loved the sport, I think. I think I would have been a professional if I didn't have asthma and I really knew that I had to give all out to become good. You know, like I think we all have that. Yeah, you're good. But if you don't, you know, do the uh, the little things that, you know, professionals do well, then you're not going to go far. But Rodrigo had a really cool experience, you know, in his youth development. Uh, like he mentioned, uh, he was a goalkeeper. He played goalkeeper from very early on. It's probably his first match ever in Mexico that throw him in goal. And like he mentioned, he just did not like it. I remember he was crying, just FYI. He was just crying, saying how they were kicking the ball at him. And, you know, he's a four, five-year-old. Like, of course, it's not going to be fun to get, uh, you know, soccer balls kicked at you. And he didn't understand it. But it, it sure enough, eventually, he became very good at his trade i think we all kind of believe that he had that little opportunity to become a professional but of course there's some kinds of maybe like politics and things you have to deal with and you know it's very tough to make it but rodrigo so you and i we started when we moved to houston we started playing 
um, you know, for the city of Pearland's like kind of like youth program. And we played for quite a while. I think it was like, uh, I must've been like 12 to pretty much till 16, 17 for me. But you were actually able to play with uh, Chivas USA at the time before they dissolved with their youth program. Man, you want to talk a little bit about how that was, you know, kind of, you know, it's been maybe 10 years since that was the case. And I mean, you see the MLS in general, how it's grown, you know, 10 years ago, they probably had like 12 teams and now they have like 27 teams. And just that aspect of like how it was for you when you were with Chivas USA, like, you know, if you want to talk a little bit of that. Yeah, so when I started playing with Chivas USA, um, I believe I was 15, 16, and I got involved with through somebody we knew. Um, his name was Omar, and he was playing for the academy team before they, the one that they had in Houston, um, and that was the actual Chivas Academy before they became the Chivas USA or introduced Chivas USA to it. But honestly, since day one, it was really a professional environment. Um, I remember learning really just to start playing one touch, which honestly, you know, we, we grew up in a really amateur level where, you know, it was maybe the coach was somebody's parent or, you know, they try to bring in other coaches and that's kind of how you start growing. And at some point we're like, okay, well, let's try to, you know, develop our game. You know, we're tired of maybe losing a little bit too much. Or for me, I just kind of wanted to go further. And that's, that's how I found out about that team. And once I started playing there, the completely different, you know, it was more of a structure Everybody wore a certain uniform to training, just, you know, like how you see the professionals always have their, you know, or anything like that. And from like a cool down end of practice, everything was. Most of the trainers that we had or coaching staff uh, grew up and, you know, they developed uh, the academy team in Mexico. And um, I kind of want to know if this is true or not. One of our coaches did mention that at the time, I believe um, Javier Hernandez, also known as Chicharito, uh, he was, I want to say, when I was 15, 16, I was maybe 19 or 20, but he said he coached him at an early age. Uh, he remember very vividly before he became the superstar. Uh, I remember he was playing and had a great, great year, and we would always be like, oh, you know, did you meet him? Did I? Like, yeah, yeah, he actually coached him. So maybe if we ever get lucky to interview him, I'm sure he remember his um, coaching staff. Uh, uh, Chivas USA, it felt like it was going to open a lot of doors for me. Um, growing up, they had a good program where they had scouting come to the U.S. And um, they would also take their players to Mexico or to L.A. Um, ours started focusing more on trying to take players to L.A. I, I did get a chance to try to go up there. Unfortunately, things didn't turn out the best and um i ended up having rejected that offer and just stuck to trying to find a college nearby or you know try to play that way so i can also get my studies in and uh i think that kind of brings a good point now that um looking back at how players from other countries come to the u.s or even the players that grow uh, grow up in the u.s you know um the you know everyday player that you see these other countries in Mexico or, you know, Central America, South America, Europe, they always see that next level and you always see them playing somewhere or trying to play somewhere. And in the U.S., it's just kind of like my goal is to get into a college 
And there's really good players at 18, 19 years old that in any other country, they can probably be professional at a lower division. person I think in mind is like Jamie Vardy's story. Um, you know, went in different categories in England and eventually at an older age became this superstar at Leicester City and has won basically a Premier League and now an FA Cup. And um, he's had a really good um, career now. But here in the U.S., it's just kind of like you get to college, you either make it or you don't. And then you hope an MLS team picks you up. But there's not much drive for the other players to maybe try to pick up um, somewhere else at a lower division. Hey, and talking about your, you know, playing with Chivas USA and, you know, that was a very good uh, program back in the day. I don't know if they exist anymore. Um even as a you know a Chivas branch for Mexico but do you remember playing anybody you know that either not necessarily famous but anybody that um became anything in the in the uh, matches that you used to play I know I guess you would probably play Dynamo Academies or um what is it the Texans or the Premier is there anybody that you remember playing uh, back then So at the youth level, um, I do remember, I, I guess the main person in the stands out because it was a homegrown player was uh, Tyler Derrick. Um, he was probably one of the guys that we did play early on at some point during the youth. So at the youth level, uh, the main players that I believe we ended up playing with was, you know, we, we would play top teams from either Mexico or MLS. Uh, we did play against the Houston Dynamo Academy. We did play against the, the Best Academy. Um, that's the main ones I remember. I can't remember if we played Dallas. I know they used to be called the Texans or they had a division of them and I believe they ended up becoming FC Dallas later on. Uh, so we did play a couple of players. Um, I believe Memo Rodriguez of the current Houston Dynamo um, ended up playing. Again. I think he was either 15 or 16. And I think at that time I was already 17, 18. So we had a scrimmage. And I also had a couple of friends that used to play for the Dynamo Academy at the time. Um, so those are some players that you remember as. And uh, growing up, I did have teammates who ended up playing on the ODP, which was the development team for the U.S. And they played, you know, they, they share a locker room, I would say, with um, like Josie Altidore and those players that are we see in the current um, U.S. team. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And like I said, people can kind of see that, you know, this podcast is by fans for fans. But we do have a little bit of a background. I myself played, uh, gr you know, all the way youth levels, played in high school, and then pretty much stopped playing after that, at least uh, college or anything like that. I did, most of us played like, you know, Sunday leagues and why not. But uh, before we go on, I uh, want to stop and thank our sponsor, uh, located about a mile away from Space Center Houston. Find the All Pros Barbershop at 999 East NASA Parkway. Luis and his team will hook you up with a fresh haircut and a clean beard trim. Give them a call at 832-240-4267 or book your appointment online via Booksy. And make sure to follow them on Instagram to see their amazing work. Again, that is All Pros Barbershop. Changing lives one haircut at a time. And Rodrigo, you know, I think you had a really good youth and, you know, maybe wasn't meant to be for you to be a professional, but you were lucky enough to play in college. And um, 
you know, Houston is doesn't have that many. Well, it doesn't have much of any college soccer for men, at least, other than HBU. But you were able to play for a very prestigious um, community college in San Jack. Sadly, they've, uh, you know, dissolved their program, which was very successful for a long time, winning all kinds of trophies. But man, let's let's touch a little bit on that. How was your experience? playing for St. Jack. I know you were there uh, for two years. So this experience was basically what our show is about. It was um, players crossing borders really to come together and play soccer at, you know, a unified level and competitive soccer. And we had players from Jamaica, Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, um, all of those Latin countries. And then we also had some Europeans from Spain, uh, Switzerland, France, and even players from Africa at the time. So it, it was a really cool experience. Uh, I honestly, you know, people, people in my cell, I guess people that I used to play with in, in high school and other players that knew me, um, and even including myself, I really thought I was, um, I wouldn't say like the best, but I thought I was pretty good at my position. And everybody thought like, oh, you know, he might have a chance of going somewhere or something like that. My first year playing at this college was eye-opening. Not not because, you know, it was a, it was a realistic experience of like, there's way better players out there. And I remember coming back from my first year after the whole season was over. And I was actually redshirted my first year, which means I got to sit out the year, but I still trained with the whole team. And it didn't count for eligibility for you know, my next four years, basically. And this year, I ended up receiving, I guess, as a team vote, the most improved player. And to me, that was a shocking thing because I thought I was already at like a high level. But to be the most improved was, I, I don't know, it kind of made me think like, man, there's this guys that I'm playing with are really good. What like what are these pros that are 18 years old like, you know, and we did we did have a fun journey. I mean, it, it was got to meet a lot of great players, a lot of great people. And we were always, you know, like a passionate team for the sport and made it seem like a family. Uh, our coach, uh, Dr. Santa Esteban, a great, great coach, one of the best I've ever been uh, coached by, um, had a good character. And it was kind of a tough love that he gave everybody. But his insight in the game and the way he would prepare us was in the most elite level. I remember starting, you know, when we started our preseason, we were doing two a days. Uh, training, you know, six in the morning and then for two hours, then take a break and then come back at 6 p.m. for another two hours. And that went on for a whole month until we were all in really good physical uh, shape. And, you know, our, our level was basically catching up to us um, just to start the season. And, and this experience brought, like I said, great players. Uh, one of the main players that I remember playing in my first season is Francisco Calvo. Uh, as we mentioned him before, uh, Costa Rican national team player currently playing with Chicago Fire, uh, captain of the team as well. And he, he was, you know, fun guy to be around. We would always joke, joke out about everything. Um, we had a good team chemistry and I always saw, you know, a potential of him of becoming better. Um, our coach, he had that tough love on him that he would bench him if he would make a mistake. He would honestly just tell him, hey man, you're not good to be playing pro. Not to put him down, but to make sure that, you know, he realized that he had more potential in him. 
And uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that he is the player who he became. Um, he was always training hard. I would say a little bit after practice just to work on free kicks and things like that. And sometimes I'll, I'll be in goal um, receiving those. But it, it was just a fun atmosphere overall. And with him, um, kind of we had mentioned this before, but his, his story um, became interesting just because during that summer break after the season was over, uh, he ended up going back to Costa Rica just to be with his family. And also he was training at the same time with his club of Saprissa at the time. And uh, and Saprissa used the main ground for the Costa Rica national team. And that's where he ended up getting uh, picked up by Ricardo Lavolpe. Um, the Copa America had a, a new set of rules where they had to be under 23 uh, player or under the age of 23 to be in this competition. And as him and an 18-year-old, he ended up actually impressing La Volpe, called him up for that. And that's when he, you know, started his career. But overall, like I said, great guy. It was fun experience. And, um, and then we had other players, you know, we had players from um, other Costa Rican players. We had other Jamaican players. Um, I do remember we are my second season there. Um, we did have players that their or the parent was um, with the Red Red coaching staff. And, you know, it was one of those things that we're getting all these players from great countries, great clubs, great history. And th this is one of the best teams I've ever played with. Um, we ended up playing against the Houston Dynamo in a couple of scrimmages as well. And that was just a fun experience. Um, first, the, the first time we ever played them, I believe we lost 5-0. I got scored on three goals, um, <laughs> four, four minutes. Um, we committed a penalty. I try to guess correctly because I obviously, you know, growing up watching him play, I kind of knew where he typically goes with his shots. But man, he plays it just on the lower corner near the post. I, I even think it ricochet off the post and, you know, went in. But the power on their shots, they make it look, you know, effortless when it comes to that. And I remember other players taking shots. They just, you know, outside the 18 and such, I guess, power behind it. Um, it was incredible. And then I, my second year playing against the Dynamo, I think that went a little bit better. We ended up, <laughs> I believe, um, we lost either 3-0 3-1, which <laughs> to us, that sounds better than a 5-0 loss. And uh, and it was still a good experience. Um, I believe that time I didn't really get scored on um, that game. But overall, it was a really fun experience. Yeah, I know, man. I was able to go to... I for sure, I went to the second match um, that you played against uh, the Dynamo, and it was fun to be at their sports complex and just watch you play against you know things that kind of we grew up with playing. Uh, I definitely remember um, what's his name Boswell being there and a few other players for sure. I mean, I think Shing, Brian Shing was still there, but. Guys, this is kind of, you know, our backstory. Um, you know, we wanted to kind of for our listeners to get to know us a little bit. And if you guys have any questions, make sure to uh, hit us up. But, you know, uh, us trying to focus on the growth of CONCACAF soccer is this. It's our story. It's our soccer uh, being from obviously us Mexican background. But in the, in the future, we hope to interview players that uh, have a similar path. Maybe they either play uh, professional as well um, we have a few of them in mind that we're reaching out to and, and just to get an idea of like how it was for them um, you know most of them probably were in the scene as as the 
same time that we were. And I believe that academies have changed tremendously for the MLS in particular, the way they're set up and, you know, the college path. And like Rodrigo said, you know, in other countries, usually you go through your academy, through the farm system, and, uh, you know, you build that so you can, that's your opportunity to make it pro and I guess earn money for your family. Um, well, in the U.S., there's definitely different paths to take and that's been a thing for a long time i know they mentioned how like Tav ramos coach of the dynamo played four years in college and that was like in the you know in the 80s which is crazy that that happens i mean it's rare nowadays uh, for a player to play that long if they're very talented but guys unless rodrigo wants to add anything else that is all for us that is all from us and uh keep crossing soccer borders Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you have suggestions for an episode or you want to be featured, reach out to us on Twitter at Borders Soccer and at Crossing Soccer Borders on Instagram. Thanks again and see you next time.